0: Fashion, don't you think you should have the podcast you deserve? Hmm. Hmm. You've been telling me for a long time. You've been saying maybe this is this is the biggest, biggest review of the year. Is that what no other say? movie you've wanted to review more than this one?
1: I mean, I've certainly been intrigued to review it, if that's what you're implying.
0: There was a scenario where you may have missed this recording and it was all you could do not to spit in my face
1: (laughs) oh man yeah we almost uh, for a movie which we haven't revealed the title of yet uh, called a certain thing there was a lot of fretting there was a lot of fretting about getting this recording done because you were out of (laughs) town for the weekend I was out of town yesterday you were at a wedding you're just going to like comedy
0: shows every couple minutes uh, just living living that cosmopolitan lifestyle you're famous for
1: but, yeah, and then you have a busy week, I guess, ahead. So it was just very. like we, we had one day and one designation of time to do this. And uh, we were going to have a guest that unfortunately didn't work out. I hope she can come on for a later episode. But, yeah, we had uh, some trouble getting this. And I would have been very, very bummed if I didn't have a chance
0: yeah, you better, to share my thoughts. You better thoughts. believe, you know, I threw you under the bus completely. Sure. Um,
1: I imagine you did.
0: <laughs> I I did not hold back. Um, but yeah, no, uh, not Hocus Pocus two. Don't worry, darling. One of the one of the strangest movies to talk about in 2022, I think. Did uh, we'll have to say?
1: Did Hocus Pocus two actually come out this weekend?
0: No, it's coming up this next weekend.
1: Okay. um Which because you know, we'll, at yeah.
0: the at the end of the show, we're going to talk about what we're talking about next week, and I'm just like, well, what's, what? Sure. What don't we talk about? It's too many movies.
1: I just, there's so much coming out, not only in terms of theatrical releases, but streaming. Mm-hmm, that i mm-hmm. i genuinely have trouble remembering what's coming out when because like this past weekend the uh, jasmine's blues the tyler perry movie where he like his passion project yeah. it on came netflix. out on netflix i was trying to keep an eye on it it's been on netflix for three days i didn't even
0: know right and there's too much coming out um because between what's hitting streaming and then there's what's hitting theaters and then there's what's mm-hmm. hitting on demand then there's what's like on the tv side sure there's too much it's all tv season
1: up. the uh, lots yeah. of tv stuff Sure. Um,
0: Andor just hid and that's you know been one of the more conversation topics and will of, of course begged for us to cover it on cinemaholics i told him no mm-hmm. well we've been covering tv shows too often and he, was, he got a little i mean that but you know
1: that must be the the hit show among the dweebs and the nerds and the
0: the geeks <laughs> there was a new I, jeepers creepers that came out did you hear about this one
1: oh yeah like isn't it like jeepers creepers reborn
0: yeah that's it uh yeah it, it, had no idea who like I I was looking at the cast I was looking at the director and it's like I don't know these people I don't know their story, but th- it's just a new Jeepers Creepers. It's here. Um, th- it was uh I think in theaters I want to say or like yeah. for a special event thing. There was mm-hmm. a, the remake of Good Night Mommy, which I'm not gonna watch. The original's unassailable, and I I heard the remake does nothing um, to advance the the agenda of the original. So okay. I, if you want to watch Good Night, Mommy, and you're on Amazon, and you're like, "Well, you know, this one's America," don't, don't. I, I love you, Naomi Watts, but the original is the one. Uh, Confess, Fletch, Moon Age Daydream. I mean, these are these are semi big movies, aren't they? Sure. And like, we just haven't gotten to them, and I I, I feel bad. Do Pearl. Revenge on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. I was watching that. Uh,
1: there's Pearl also. Uh, there is um, see how they run.
0: Yeah, yeah so that's the searchlight one, and I know I got new Saoirse Ronan, Sam Rockwell picture, and people are just like, ah, yeah, that's too much to get to, too much to watch. Yeah, um, but yeah, I I was gonna say I know we, we got a we got a movie to actually talk about, but sure. Blonde, we we just haven't had a chance to see Blonde, and I, I want to. I assume we're gonna cover it. I mean, how could we not? You know, considering yeah the hoopla, but sure. a lot on our plate. That's yeah, fine. I mean.
1: I don't even know how I made time for Clerks 3 last week.
0: That's right. That's right. Um, but okay, so don't worry, darling. And also, this is Cinema a major motion podcast where we talk about the biggest and the best films going to theaters and streaming online. I'm John Gurney from the San Francisco Bay Area. I'm the film editor for the young folks.com and from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He's a news and entertainment writer at Collider. It is William Ashton.
1: Hey, I'm going to let you take a breath or grab a drink of water after all that.
0: Thank you. And yeah. uh, we're talking about Don't Worry, Darling, the latest film from Olivia Wilde, her second film. As director, yeah, right, and, and so producer, right, producer, and uh with her collaborator and and you know screenwriter partner, Katie Silverman, they did Booksmart together. Booksmart came out in twenty nineteen, mm-hmm. which I was a big fan of. I really liked Booksmart. Saw it multiple times, really, and I thought, you know what, Olivia multiple Wilde, multiple times, multiple times, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, because I remember seeing it um at. I think I saw it at some kind of like uh screening thing and then I watched it again with a friend, I wanna say, and then I think I watched it one more time, like okay. on some rental, I wanna say. Hmm.
1: Cause I was trying to rewatch it uh before I saw Don't Worry Darling, and that has to be and I, I still like the movie fine. Uh but that has to be like the most 2019 movie ever made.
0: You think so? I mean, it I remember the like, the first scene being a little bit like, okay, yeah, we're we're definitely in a certain certain era. Uh, <laughs> with I mean, Beanie Feldstein scene there,
1: right? It, it just it's a movie that is going to reflect a certain time period. I don't say that disparagingly, so much as just as a matter of fact, you know, like you know, there's eighty movies that reflect the eighties, and there's going to be a there's going to be a movie that reflects twenty nineteen. That was
0: sure book smart. Yeah, um, yeah, like the last like pre COVID teen raunchy comedy, I guess. I, I mean, that. I'm not
1: even talking from a COVID standpoint. I just like that was just like a period of time, politically, <laughs> socially, economically, that things were coming out. It is. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think you liked it a little bit more than I did, but I, oh, definitely. I thought it was I'm a big fan. I thought it was a fine debut. I thought showcase promise for Olivia Wilde as a filmmaker, a fledging filmmaker. And I was curious to see what she did. With their follow-up film.
0: Same here. Now this comes to us from Carrie and Shane Van Dyke, who did the original story. Their spec script uh, had a bidding war actually in 2019. So uh, ultimately, Wild and Silverman were able to pick it up and make this movie. And yep, the, I honestly I look at that situation and I think, what could have been? Like, can you can you? I think this spec script. I think this idea. Is something that is a little bit of a diamond in a rough, easy thing to get wrong, you know. And we'll talk about why. Um, and we also won't give anything away, although I, I, I think we do have to have some conversation toward the end here because this is just one of those movies, right? Like we we gotta we gotta dig in. We can't just we can't just be coy forever. But I honestly think I'll start with this. I, I, I this this was a little this this is a little bit more than they could chew, wasn't it? Like they bit off a little bit more with this. You think?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I will say you know there's a term often used in Hollywood called sophomore slump, and this is a pretty notable and controversial example of a sophomore slump.
0: But You know what this actually feels like to me? More this feels more like a debut film to me than Booksmart does, because at, with Booksmart, you know what that movie that movie had confidence and focus. I thought that every time I watched it, I just had an idea of like what kind of movies Wild wants to make. And I got a really good sense of Silverman as a screenwriter. With this movie, this feels like that kind of debut movie that usually gets on my bad side, which is it's just doing a little, it's trying a lot and not really accomplishing much. It feels like a move by a director who feels like they only have one shot. And maybe that's what this is too. Maybe Wilde is feeling a little bit like, you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to have infinite chances. And she's probably right in this kind of industry. But this feels like a little bit of like, I got to I got to put everything I can in here. And then in the end, I don't know really what we're left with. I got to describe this thing, though, huh? But I'll let you. Well, I was going to say,
1: like, on paper, as far as like the general synopsis of it, this doesn't seem like that ambitious, like it's a thirty five million dollar sophomore film. With you know big stars, the scope is obviously bigger. But you know on paper it makes sense. Like okay, like she, I don't know how much Booksmart costs, but I would imagine somewhere between like five and ten million dollars.
0: It, it it was definitely not this expensive. Booksmart cost like six million or something okay. like that. It was yeah yeah. It was I was gonna say yeah, and I was say yeah
1: yeah. Made, made hand over dollar. It made you know a lot of money. It, it was a big critical hit. It had like a ninety nine percent Rotten Tomatoes or something like that. You know it was. Yeah, an undeniable hit, critically, financially, and it made sense that she would get the opportunity to make a nearly forty million dollar sophomore film. Which, you know, compared to like someone like Colin Trevorrow going from Safety Not Guaranteed to yeah. Jurassic World, like that's not that <laughs> huge not of leap. Of.
0: And and hey, we got it. We got to get this across. Don't worry, Darling has already made more money than Booksmart did.
1: Yeah, I mean it's already doing pretty well, right? Did it make
0: yeah. twenty million over the weekend? It's at thirty million so far. They're, that's yeah, worldwide so or domestic. Abouts. Uh, I believe that is worldwide, but okay. mostly domestic. I don't think it's released in a lot of international markets yet. I'll double okay. check that, though, because I have a feeling with the Harry Styles connection, it might have some UK release on top sure. of that. But
1: Yeah, but I mean, you know, I will say, you know, for as much as will likely criticize the film, I do not think this should be the end of Olivia Wilde's directorial career. I think no, she has certainly not. proven herself enough uh, as a box office and critical success, uh, with book smart. And also if this does well, I mean, you know, certainly lesser directors who have had more controversy have gotten, you know, second, third and fourth and however many films after this, I I don't think no matter what's going on behind the scenes with the film that she should have to, uh, you know, stay in director's jail because of what's going on around the film.
0: Yeah, I, I think so. Because I mean, look, I think the reviews haven't been good, but I'm looking at the box office here, and uh, yeah, 19.2 million domestic opening weekend, 10.8 million international. That that's a 64:36 split to domestic, which is really, really good uh, for a movie that's not based on any intellectual property, and it's a movie that does have this amount of controversy that could derail interest. That people would be like, "Well, I'm not going to spend my money on a movie that is just going to be, you know, a bunch of drama, and I don't care about." clearly people care about this probably for lots of different reasons. I think Harry Styles has a huge fan base. I think Florence Pugh has a huge fan base, so, you know, in the film world, you know, it's a lot of different tribes uniting. Uh, what, what was your theater? Like I got to ask, cause mine was like five people. Uh, yeah. And they were, you know, this wasn't a screening. They, they didn't, they didn't do screenings for this. Uh, and so at least in my area, so this was a public thing. And I, I think it's going to be different from yours because mine was like mostly young people. It's, it was in the, in Silicon Valley. So it was, you know, it was a little bit different and collective shrugs from the audience when the, the credits rolled about you.
1: I mean, so initially I was supposed to see the movie today. Uh, my plans got moved because we didn't get a chance to record Mad Men Men available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: And the young folks.com.
1: Uh, yeah, the young folks.com. There you go. Uh, so I had an extra carved amount of time on Friday to see this film. Dorian Matinee, and I was like, okay, well, you know, I'll go see it at local mall. And I was the youngest person in the theater by, I want to say, at least three
0: decades. Well, you were uh, watching a, a movie called Don't Worry, Darling on a Friday afternoon. So I'm
1: not saying it's like <laughs> illogical or it doesn't make any sense. I'm just saying that, like, yeah, you were just my, like, Wait
0: a second, what?
1: <laughs> my audience was significantly older than me, and it didn't really seem like they responded to the film. I don't know. I mean, I feel like. Yeah. Like, the person in front of me, they reacted more to when a certain hit song played in the Knock at the Cabin trailer than when, you know, during the whole movie. So, like, I, I don't think they were really digging it. And I don't know about the people behind me, but it just seemed like they were kind of confused and not really, like, uh, vocal about their response to the film, at least in the theater. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. It didn't seem like they well, were you have loving
0: to imagine, it. You have to imagine, like, people watching it being old enough that they're like, wait haven't I seen this movie before? Wait, haven't I seen this movie before and this movie and this movie and this movie? Uh, because for me, that's kind of what I was getting at earlier with this spec script and ultimately with where they went with this story. It is just, I, I think for me, my audience was like, that's it. Like, this is, this has been done. Many times. Like there has to be something else under the surface here. This is one of those weird movies where I just feel like so many loose ends. So many unanswered questions and pointless red herrings that I'm like, something went wrong here. Like, this was... I don't think this was the movie they were really going for, I want to say, because there's a lot of stuff It looks like they cut out. And it's not a, uh, not a short movie. It's over two hours.
1: I'm not sure about that. But I will say, I mean, at least from a marketing standpoint, not that the trailers and anything have been bad. If anything, I thought the initial trailer is pretty good. I um, still haven't seen but, it. Um, I, I will to. say... It did seem like at least from people I was talking to that there was some general confusion about like what kind of movie it was. Like some folks I was talking to they thought it was like a romantic drama in the vein of like revolutionary road like something where it's like a marriage falls apart due to like you know whatever circumstances and some people were like no it's like more of like a horror movie you know kind of maybe like a glitzier version of like blue velvet and some folks were like no 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 it's like a stepford Wives sort of thing and like no 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 it's you know it's this thing and that thing and then olivia mal Mow- or olivia wilde during um the uh, CinemaCon presentation, you know, where she famously got served papers by her ex, <sighs> yeah. uh, Jason Sudeikis. She, she described was like, the film, just to be
0: clear, this is based on the toy Flight Year from 1995.
1: <laughs> I mean, it would not have added any uh, more confusion for her to say that because she said something along the lines of like this movie. She was comparing it to like Inception and uh the truman show which that one obviously makes sense and another film i'm trying to think what it is but she she compared it to two sci-fi films and then the truman show which was like okay like yeah. I i don't get you know watch the trailer like where's the sci-fi element coming into this right like, it doesn't make a lot well, of there's sense one
0: movie in particular like i want to bring up that i think it gives away too much if i say what movie it is so that is you know that's probably the biggest weakness of this movie is that it takes so long to tell you like what it is like by the time we get to it it's just like it's impossible not to spoil this movie really um if you try if you start being like oh. well, here are all the inspirations
1: yeah okay so she said it was a combination of inception the matrix and the truman show and i think that just caused more confusion than answers i'm sure because like what Cause like, w- w- what? like
0: I'll, what? I'll be honest i wasn't paying much attention to all of the the drama around this movie that closely i think it like once it really heated up at venice like once the you know uh, harry styles yeah. and chris pine stuff started coming up and because I, I remember seeing the stories i remember seeing the rags coming along and being like there was drama on set olivia wilde wasn't showing up because you know there's all the thing with olivia wilde going through her divorce with jason Sudakis, her relationship with harry styles apparently some falling out between her and florence Pugh, florence well, Pugh they, is going through a breakup mm-hmm. it's just like all this stuff that like uh, is in our business
1: Sure. Olivia Wilde and Jason Stegas were never married, just to be clear.
0: Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, but yeah, but the, yeah, there was like a nasty sort of breakup. There was, you know, the director and star of the film were supposedly or allegedly hooking up so, uh, to the point where Olivia Wilde was not, uh, you know, fulfilling maybe her full directorial duties. Florence Pugh was allegedly ghost directing some scenes because she... Uh, her director was absent. There was a shouting match, apparently.
0: Yeah, you know, there was spit, yeah,
1: allegedly, (laughs) allegedly, allegedly. Uh, but I don't really want to supposed
0: to be the main character, you know, the main guy at one point. Um, he was, uh, like, I think like in 2020 was when they were rounding out the cast for this, and then it was like last year that Harry Styles was added to replace him,
1: right. But, I mean, you know, as, I think it's fun to kind of talk about this stuff because it's very, like, old Hollywood, you know, like, it, it kind of reminds you of, like, uh, yeah. an old Let me Olivia Wild, take a look
0: at the picture, see? We right. heard all the rumors.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell talk us about the rumors, being what? hot
0: and heavy on set. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah. yeah. So um, but I mean, I don't really want to devote most of the conversation to that because I just feel like for one, that's all gossip, you know, like you're saying, like it's not, none of our business. And two, I, I feel like there's enough to discuss on the film's merits or lack thereof that we yeah. don't really need to discuss that. But we'll, we'll discuss I mean, it
0: when the movie or documentary comes out. How about that? <laughs> that's sure. when it'll be appropriate, I think.
1: I mean, it's not like an apocalypse now. Like it's not like insane. No, it's much milder
0: but, than that. Olivia right. mild.
1: Right. Yeah. Olivia Mild. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that stuff's fun. I don't think it really adds or takes away from the film, but I'm sure it added or, you know, maybe benefited the, uh, the,
0: the board publicity, of mouth for the, the marketing. Yeah, yeah. The buzz. Mm-hmm.
1: But I mean, I do, I mean, there is a part of me that like kind of wants this movie to succeed just because it does sort of represent this older sort of like adult, uh, drama. That's that, a swing from a studio like star driven you know movie that i feel like warner brothers in their current uh you know in their current state are probably not going to fund a movie like this in the near future so Unless far as for I can a reward
0: season because that's what kind of got this movie off the ground right it's like they're they're they premiered it through Venice. They clearly had Oscars, you know, consideration for this. So I think that that kind of thing is going to keep happening. It's just Maybe. they can't control, you know, what gets accepted and what gets rejected by, I, I guess, the critical consensus.
1: I just feel like there'd be more gun shy to greenlit something like this in the future. But that I could be know. wrong. I don't know. I, don't I just, know. I, I don't have a lot of tra- trust in that. Uh, what's the guy's name? Um, but the new CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery.
0: Oh, Zazzler. I don't remember. That yeah, whatever.
1: I, I just feel like he's going to, you know, if he didn't inherit this movie from Toby Ermich, uh, whatever, the, the the original CEO, mm-hmm. I feel like he wouldn't have greenlit this film. I could be wrong, but that's just a vibe I get.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, we, we were still kind of getting to know Cousin, Cousin HBO here, the new boss, uh, who has so far been not making a great impression, (laughs) which I know we've talked about on other shows. So don't worry, darling. You know, and we've been I've been kind of avoiding the setup for it because it's just kind of secondary to me. But I mean, the basic setup is that you have this young, happy in love couple played by Florence Pugh and Harry Styles. They live in this idyllic 1950s neighborhood. And it, it very much like you and I have been covering Mad Men on Mad Men Men, available as a podcast on young dot com with fellow co-host Michael Overholtz, where we've been talking about Mad Men. And we just finished up the first season of that show. You should listen and subscribe and talk to us about it. But, you know, you know, that show is very much about how the 1950s and the 1960s, by extension, it, it, they're not like all they seem, you know, advertising played a huge part in the the image of the 50s as it sort of shifted in the 1960s. So watching a movie like this, I think you and I were more primed than ever to sort of be like, okay, here is something we've seen a lot of times, the the artifice of suburbia, you know, a period of time that didn't exist the way that a lot of people like to wax nostalgic about, but nevertheless is a very, very iconic sort of, you know, pastiche in both film and television books, whatever you have. And we have had at this point in 2022, we've had lots of movies throw harpoons at it and deconstruct the, you know, the American dream utopia of the 1950s. So we have another movie like that kind of coming along where Florence Pugh plays this housewife who she's, she's living her life. She's loving it, but something's off, you know, it's a company town. And it's called. Vic, there's something called the Victory Project, and, and all the guys work at the same place. And the movie doesn't hide that something is off. You know, from like very, very early scenes, you can tell like this isn't a like a typical. Like, there's something weird going on here. All the men leave at the exactly the same time in their cars, and they're driving on a roadless, you know, terrain toward a building that we can't quite make out the full extent of. And yeah, from then on, it's just sort of like, okay, something weird's going on. And so like for the first 30, 40 minutes, you're like, OK, so, you know, Florence Pugh is starting to get a little bit suspicious because of certain things that have happened. There's a Character played by Kiki Lane, who is a little bit, you know, she, she she's kind of like, I don't know. Yeah, I, this doesn't feel right. Something's wrong. And then as Pugh, Pugh starts to investigate and you're like, OK, cool. That's what this movie is. It's, it's going to be, you know, Pugh sort of like trying to figure out what's going on. Um, And then, of course, like the conflict with her husband, who loves the way things are. Uh, He's, again, played by Harry Styles, who's kind of, you know, just a little bit of like a Ken doll in this. And then you're like, great. Well, okay, let's get to the second act. Time for the second act. The second act is just the first act again, with just like a few wrinkles. Like there's a real failure of rising action in this movie, because then we get to the third act and the third act is kind of another version of the first act where it's just like okay we're 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 going to maybe slowly kind of maybe baby reveal a couple of things but not really and then the last like 15 minutes is the third act where things allegedly get resolved and it to me it's a failure of structure it's a failure of editing it's a failure of a lot of things here's what it's not a failure of Florence Pugh's performance i think uh, everyone should agree i think that it's really really good in this uh, i think the look feel and flavor of the film is wonderful this is matthew libatique who's just you know a cinematographer I, I felt this location i you know they making a marinated steak you know sizzle You yeah, know it's, it's not as easy as it sounds or looks or smells um There are things in here that work. Chris Pine works. Florence Pugh works. Their chemistry works. But it's all kind of mishmashed in what I think ultimately is a story that just doesn't work. What do you think?
1: I think um, there's a lot of things going on here and I I don't exactly know where it went wrong. As you mentioned, I don't know if it's like a script level thing or if it's a a failure of vision or if it's just like a conflicting vision. Uh, But I will say that... um, I think the concept is where the movie sort of falls apart because it feels like, like you said, there's so much set up as far as the uh, the initial, like the reveal that's coming up two thirds of the way through, which I feel like it's kind of a given from the beginning in a way that I, I just don't know if the filmmakers thought it would be more impressive than it was, or if they just didn't have enough ideas to really push it forward till we get to that point. Exactly. Yeah. But. I feel like like the stuff that happens in the third act, busy though it is, is way more interesting than what was set up before. Like I think maybe it's a little bit more competent in the first two thirds of the film, but it gets dull after a point because it's just a lot of like sort of dream nightmare sequences where Florence P was just like things aren't they seem, what's going on? It's a lot of like visual metaphors that don't really tie up to a lot of things. Uh later yeah, in the like film. Like they're
0: directed well. I think Wild is good at directing like i actually think that like some of these scenes like constructed are interesting like characters aren't just sitting around talking the whole time but they yeah to what you're saying like the metaphors don't really connect with the underlying substance of the story it's very weird
1: yeah i mean there's just a lot of stuff here that i feel like they're so focused on the aesthetics that the story tends to fall apart. Like, I think there's a lot focused here about how the movie should look, how the movie should sound, how the movie should feel. But I I feel like it doesn't really add up to what it's trying to say. It feels more like the sum of its parts than a fully cohesive idea that comes together in a impactful or interesting way. And I I guess I will say, I mean, I, I agree with a lot of what you said as far as like, I think the things that the movie does well, you know obviously i think the production design the art direction the costuming all of that is tremendous i do like the cinematography a lot i like how this movie looks i like the you know i think it comes together visually in a very nicer way i think it's even edited in a decent way i, I kind of push back a little bit against what you're saying there
0: i don't uh, mean like the editing like in moment to moment scenes i just mean right. the editing and how the overall picture is sure. put together
1: the pacing of it does leave something desired when it And I think that's more a failure of the direction, though, that doesn't really have a good sense of building up momentum. And when it does do weird, interesting things, they don't really service the story. It just kind of feels secondary. But um, I guess where I am a little bit more critical of the film than you is that I don't think Florence Pugh is bad, but I feel like we've seen her do this type of performance much better in other films. Like, I don't think Mm. she's doing anything here that we've seen her not do better elsewhere. And that's not to say she's bad. Like I said, I think she does a fine job. I think she handles the role well. But I feel like the material doesn't really let her shine in a way that I'm like, oh yeah, this is another great Florence Pugh performance. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty good. But you know, like compared to Lady Macbeth, compared to Midsummer, like she's not really bringing her like a game here. I don't think. And See, I, yeah, I, think there's I, a
0: lot. I push back that against a lot. I think what she's doing in those movies is so different from this. I mean, I I can't think of a movie she's done that's quite like this performance. At all, I think like she's been a protagonist, but I mean, in Midsummer, like I think that is a much more like teary-eyed. She's a totally different character. I think what the soft melancholy she brings to that role is completely different. Little Women, what what? There's nothing I think between those performances that you know, aside from it's her that I would put on the movie. And then Hmm. I I don't know what movie are you thinking of here? Because and then Lady Macbeth, she's she's delicious in that movie as like the villain. I don't okay.
1: Okay, yeah, but no, I guess what I'm trying to say here okay. is that I feel like her performance, like, I, I feel like a lot of her characterization in the film leaves a lot to be desired as far as, like, I like, I agree with you that those characters that she played in those films are a lot more dynamic and complex and nuanced because I think the material allows them to to be more complex and nuanced and dynamic. I just feel like her character here is mostly reacting to things that are happening around to her, which is fine, but it doesn't really allow us to get a full, clear understanding of who her character is outside of her reacting to what's going on around her. And I think I that think that, there's
0: more, I don't know, I think there's more to the performance than reactionary. I think for her, it's like there's a lot of conflict with her character. That's what I found interesting. That's turmoil. where I found the meat of the character. Well, it's the okay. conflict of like, she loves her husband, wants to trust him, but she feels like she's sure. being gaslit. And she's also conflicted because, like, she has this crisis mode of like, my life is amazing. Why should I complain? But then also, like, I want to, you know, obviously, like, know what's going on. I want to care about other people. But do I care about my husband? I don't. There's more conflict to her character than I think you're letting on.
1: That's fair. I mean, I get what you're saying. Uh, I just feel like there there was more avenues with the film to explore that in a way that would have made her performance a little bit more well rounded. And I feel like. The film itself, its inability to really focus on these things and just introduce them, but not really uh, tie them into a full narrative, uh, ultimately her, lets her performance suffer in the process. But that's I a, mean, like again,
0: I mean, yeah, like where I would where I would sit with that is that I think for Pew, what could have made for me that performance even more well rounded because I don't think it's a, a perfect. Like she did nothing wrong, you know, nothing like that. True. Like oh, I'm not standing. But I think she's a tremendous
1: actress. Like I mean, I think. You know, I, I I mean, if this is one of her lesser performances, then she has so many great performances ahead of her, and she's already done so much sure. great work already. So, I mean, I just I, I just I think, don't yeah,
0: I I just think she's lacking a sparring partner in this. Like, she has Chris Pine, but barely. And there's even like a flicker, right? Like, you get a little bit of like, okay, what if the movie really was about these two, and like and it was more well, of, like that cat and mouse game, and then it just it just drops it after a a scene.
1: I and mean, just, oh, that's yeah.
0: disappointing. And then she's like, well, we're back to it being her and Harry Styles. And it's kind of it's like I am i feel like I'm watching her, you know, drag around, like drag around her like kid little brother, you know, like who's new to, you know, new to acting. And she's got to show him the ropes.
1: I think she would have had a great sparring partner with Gemma Chang if the movie allowed that character to have a little bit more of a central focus because there's like one dinner scene with the two of them mm-hmm. where he introduces like okay like this is an interesting concept like what if these two characters are kind of at odds like the one sort of represents a different sort of femininity uh, a sense of comfort and complacency so that yeah, that's, you know
0: that's why i feel like they cut stuff out because like there's all kinds of stuff with the Jim and chan character that makes no sense like there's stuff that happens with her where you're just like
1: oh yeah, like the the last scene with her character, I'm still baffled as far as like, (laughs) what does that mean? Like, what what if this is all this... That's my
0: main criticism with the editing. I just think like there's got to be stuff that they took out that they thought wouldn't matter. Or they thought like, oh, the ambiguity is what will drive this along. It's like instead of a clarifying scene or a scene that like lends to the world building, we got to do another sort of like Florence Hughes staring at something weird going on and wondering what is happening and we got to do that four more times
1: yeah and that's my central complaint but i i will allow that there's more going on than just that in the film with her character mm. but in any case uh should we talk about the harry styles performance or do you we kind no, of already teed it but do you want it's to-
0: okay it, it, it's 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 okay it's the guy playing varsity when he barely can make jv that's the problem um i, I don't uh, think it's a bad performance but i mean it it can't look that good when you're up against Chris Pine and Florence Pugh and Gemma Chan. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, I'm just I don't know. I think. Buddy.
1: Um, I mean, I was going to use average. a different. I was going to use a different high school analogy, which okay. is like, what if the like hot lacrosse player was the lead of the high school play? <laughs>
0: right. And Pretty I think much. like,
1: and it's like, I like you, you know pick
0: lacrosse.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, there's. It, it's not like yeah, that's not a football player. I'm sorry, Harry Styles. Nothing against him. He's not a football player. He's not like a basketball player. I don't think I, he, it's like lacrosse. But anyway, okay, um, okay.
0: We'll go with the Teen Wolf. Yeah,
1: sure. Yeah. Uh, no, no Teen you know, Wolf why would not be soccer? basketball.
0: He's a Brit. Sure. Like it.
1: Whatever analogy you want to use, you <laughs> can use in this scenario. The point is, is that he's like kind of like an athlete coming into this in a way. It's like. It's more like, well, you know, like for someone, you know, getting their first starring role, he's like, okay, but I feel he's like been in
0: another, and yeah, first starring, but you know, he he was in Dunkirk, and you know, wasn't he in something else?
1: Uh, he's going to be in My Policeman coming up this. That's fall. right.
0: Yeah, I don't think he okay, has any he's, other... He was. He had a small little scene in Eternals,
1: right? Like but in any case, I think, like in terms of general acting or screen acting, where it's like. Does he hit his marks? Does he say his lines? Does he emote? Sure. But I feel like the th- this is where it kind of comes down to like what is acting and what is a performance. Because I get the sense when I'm watching the film, and maybe this is too harsh, but I see him acting, but I feel like there's not a lot of spark going on in his eyes. Like I feel like he's not really putting a lot of thought into like the characterization. He's putting more thought into like, I need to say these lines, I need to say it in this way, and I need to like look a certain way when I'm doing it. And I feel like it's not really like him forming a character.
0: It's him. There is one trying to figure out. There's one scene where it comes out though. Will, okay, there is that honesty that I think you're talking about that drive of like, I'm acting in order to give my soul to the audience. It happens True. the dancing scene because that I think
1: interesting scene in the film.
0: That's the scene where Harry that's Harry styles. And he's just like, you want me to dance for you? You know, I've already, I'm already one of the most cherished, you know, singers in the world, millions and millions of people love me and I'm, you want me to act now? All right, I'll act for you. I'll spin around five times. I'll do whatever you want. It's like, that to me felt like Harry Styles woke up and it was just like, yeah, this is, this is a performance that actually is like coming from his heart a little bit and it's, it's unhinged, but it's, I, I mean, pretty, pretty brilliant. I
1: think the performance in general is fairly earnest Like, I I don't think it's incompetent for a lack of trying. Like, I think he is giving what he wants. I I mean, it's like he's trying to learn how to act in a very public, in a a pretty big film. So I feel a little bad for the guy. But, like, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't be dissuaded to see another film from him. But I still don't get the sense of, like, okay, why is he in films? Like, why are we touting him as our next, like, musician-turned-actor. And I'm still not, other than, like, he's famous and he's very popular as, as a pop musician, I'm still not really seeing, like, what what's the, like, intrigue here. And I think part of it is casting. Like, I think he became a, a star too quick and too early. Like, I think he, he would be better served in supporting roles where he can kind of, like, do, like, what Justin Timberlake did in Alpha Dog, I, th- I think that's the name of the film, or, like, in, my, in The Social yeah. Network. I think that makes sense. It's kind of the same issue, like, when Justin Timberlake had like a role like that in social networks like oh okay so he can act and then you get him in, in time it's like well like he's holding his <laughs> own but like you know it's not he's not like a movie star he's just like kind of like yeah, like yeah what he, he thinks a movie star is you put
0: him in friends with benefits and it's just sort of like yeah this is very functional but it's definitely not sort of like it had to be him
1: right but and that's that's where I think his performance is like it's functional but it just lacks a spark
0: my only criticism of your metaphor is that you know okay like being the the lead athlete doing the school play, you're kind of suggesting it's like two completely different worlds and like he's not suited for, I, I guess, is the implication. But I think there, I mean, there is a I, little bit more of yep. like connective tissue between being a rock star musician and being an actor. They're obviously very different disciplines, but they both involve performance, right? I guess you could say like when you're an athlete going into like the school play, you're kind of going from. Something that's just very competitive and something very like, I don't know, like a different view of masculinity to a play, which is more, you know, artistic, I guess. Is Um, that fair? Well,
1: I actually didn't really get to finish my analogy, uh, which is that I think when you put him in a film like this, or or, or, sorry, let me back up. When you put him in like a play and you're like, your expectations are kind of lower and then like you see him holding his own enough to like where the thing doesn't fall apart because of him. You're like, oh, okay, you know. Maybe he's holding his own, but it's like, what if you took that star athlete who did one play and then you put him in a Broadway production with like Hugh Jackman <laughs> and it's like, okay, like, yeah, like in a high school production, like he's holding his own, he's fine. But when you put him in the big leagues in like a starring role, then like, yeah, he's always not going like to stand out. And I Still feel like, though, when- isn't
0: that kind of similar to what we do with like putting LeBron, you know, in train wreck, I guess to what you're saying he isn't the star of train wreck, but like. Right. I think that like when you have somebody who's like the epitome of like sports and then put them into the epitome of Hollywood, I feel like there is a little bit less of like a lightning bolt of weirdness um, that happens.
1: Well, what I was going to say, I'm sorry I keep like backing this up, but uh, I feel like when he was in Dunkirk, people are like, oh, he's like actually a good actor. And I think we, they, they were too quick to jump the gun because like he had like three lines or something. In yeah, that I was going to say,
0: people were saying he was a good actor. Like, but what, what? No, he was but, just like, in it.
1: But he's, I think the confusion is that like, I think he can hold his own as a screen presence. Like when you watch him in scenes where he's not like talking in this movie, he's not like, like he's a compelling screen presence. Like, I think he can do some stuff like non-verbally that makes you ah. like, okay, like there's something here. Like I can kind of like see the clay being molded a little bit, but you, you, I, I just think like he can't hold a monologue. That's where it's. I like think getting,
0: I think this yeah. is where I land on it, because like I get what you're saying. It's just to me, I just think it's like we're, I almost feel like we're overthinking it. I think what it comes down to is like all reports say that, first of all, the guy is super famous. People are going to watch a movie just because he's in it. So that's that's step one. And Hollywood is just like, yes, hired. The other thing is that like to what you're saying, he's competent enough. Like he can say his lines, he has some screen presence. Okay, yeah, he's not DiCaprio, but whatever. Like he doesn't, he doesn't need to be Christopher Abbott. Sure. The other thing is that it really seems like people just like him. Like people like to work with him. Like one of the things about Dunkirk, like he has all that he has all of that like cachet as a as a Big shot, I guess, or like not even big shot, but like as a recognizable household name. But apparently he doesn't have like a roaring ego that makes him difficult to work with from what people have said. And that's what how things are right now. I am just speculating. But I think that is a recipe for like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy needs to be like our next big thing because Hollywood wants that stability. They don't want the chaos of somebody who is just like super famous, but, you know, or somebody who's really good at acting like Shia LaBeouf. But you know, is just chaos is going to cause all kinds of havoc, no matter what.
1: Yeah, and that gets into an argument. No, argument's a strong word, but a disagreement that we had uh, away from the mic, which is that for <laughs> all the baggage that Shia LaBeouf would have brought to the film, I, I think he's undeniably would have made the film, if not better, at least more interesting. If he, I, I think start- he
0: would have. I don't think it would have worked. I think that what probably would have happened is I think he and Pew would not have gotten along. And I think that like, if that central relationship doesn't work, like if you don't buy that they're actually in love, which I actually buy that I think Pew and Styles have, I just, just, they just have the chemistry that you need to sell the, the opening artifice of the movie. I think if you put LeBuff in there, it instantly becomes like a total, like the tone suddenly becomes like, you need to escape this it just becomes way more black and white, even though you're introducing the nuance of a more esteemed actor. That's where I stand.
1: I, I mean, I guess where I disagree is that I think Shia LaBeouf has more range than you're anticipating. I don't. I mean, it's impossible to know if the movie would have been better or worse, or if his performance would have been better, because we don't know. He quit the film by his admission. Whether you know he was forced to quit or he chose to quit, he is not in the film, uh, and we'll never see his performance uh, in this film. But I just feel like he has demonstrated more sort of. Uh, dynamic range and playing characters who are both sort of boyish and uh puppy dog like and who uh, guys who have like kind of an edge and a chip on their shoulder who you know can be uh more aggressive and more assertive in a way that i feel like harry styles without giving too much away can't really sell the third act of the film like i agree with you that i think I, he can I hold really want to get into that
0: i really want to get into that though um, should, should we wrap up our non-spoiler stuff here? Cause I feel like we just got to lean in. Um, I mean,
1: yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess if, if there's some more non-spoiler things we can talk about that now.
0: Um, I mean, I think my general, my general thing with the movie is I, I've kind of touched on this. I, the more I think about it, the more I'm just like, what did any of that really mean? There's so much that happened in the movie that there's so many loose ends, unanswered questions. Like it's one of those things where like when you get a twist the, the twist should contextualize the rest of the movie so that when you, re, you think about it again or you think about rewatching it, everything kind of clicks into place. But I'm thinking back on the movie and I'm just like, well, what did that mean? Why was that there? Like, what was the point of that? And I can't think of any good answers. And I, I tried looking up, like, have people started to try to, like, untangle this thing? And I haven't really come across anything that's been, like... You know, there's this whole thing with like an airplane and like, and Mm. somebody sees an airplane, is the airplane really there? And then this little kid had a toy airplane that looks just like it. And what could that mean? And it feels like the movie just sort of like, it means whatever, just fill in the blank. And then it's stuff like that, that like really, really turns me off to like, okay, well, if your story is not going to be that original and if your twist isn't going to be that like devastating or sort of like subversive then I don't know, I, I just find myself checking out of it, even though like, I, I feel bad, because it's not like I was watching this movie and I was annoyed the whole time. I wasn't sitting there just being like, oh, let it end. I was interested, I like I was genuinely invested and I was like, well, cool, like, I wanna know what's going on here. And I was like, I have my theories, but I, was like, I feel like those are too obvious. Like, I feel like this, this movie's really setting this up. Like, I know you touched on that, it's like the payoff must be insane. And then we get to the payoff and I'm like, oh, okay. Like, that, that's kind of, like, where I think, like, a lot of people have been reacting. They're just like, oh, it ends. And they're just like, okay. And it's just very, uh, there's something very off. I feel like I'm, you know, in a, in a very similar situation as Florence Pugh. Something weird is going on with this movie.
1: Um, I mean, my takeaway from the film, uh, to tie it to a scene in this movie, uh, early on, Florence Pugh is in the kitchen and she's cracking eggs. Each egg... Uh, in the carton is revealed to not have anything in it. It's this hard exterior with nothing inside, and that doesn't tie into anything into the story. It's all a service of a metaphor, where it's like everything isn't what it seems, isn't what it looks like. You know, an obvious but you know clear metaphor. And I feel like that is the film in a nutshell, <laughs> or an eggshell.
0: And an uh, egg shell,
1: yeah. It's this very pretty hard exterior that once you crack it, there's nothing really inside it, and you're like, well. Where's the yolk? Like, where? where's the egg? It's just the shell. And I feel like that was my takeaway from the movie. It's just that it looks nice. I think it came together visually and aesthetically in a nice way. But the more, like you said, the more you think about it, the more you try to crack the shell, the more you realize that there's just not a lot. Of, I think there's not a lot of thought that went into it. If there is a lot of thought, they all the thoughts they had sort of conflicted with one another, which we can discuss a little yeah. bit more. I just, I don't, I mean, I really just want to kind of sit Olivia Wilde down and be like, okay, in the simplest way possible, what did you want this movie to be? And like, what was your general takeaway? And it's like, okay, if that's the case, then why did you include this stuff? And I don't know. I mean, I feel like she would t- tie herself in a not try and explain this whole thing because the one thing doesn't complement the other. And so therefore, it's just this pretty exterior that internally just didn't... There's, there's nothing to really, you know,
0: chew on. I'm just a little sad that she's not probably going to be in one of those like you know oscars like director roundtable things like maybe at the same tables like darren aronofsky and alexander you know or whoever else and just like let them sort of like be the ones to ask her it's like so what what were you trying to uh, accomplish with uh, that movie olivia i was just really curious if you could uh talk about that a bit more i don't know who has this accent that i'm putting mm. on right now but you get what i'm saying
1: oh good old chris nolan um <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I remember, I forget what it was for, but she had an interview, I think, on either Jimmy Kimmel or David Letterman, like while she was making Booksmart. She said that true progress would come for feminism when a woman could make a bad or mediocre film and still have a career. And I think that'll be the true chest of progress. Yeah, I'm rooting so, for her. Yeah,
0: I am. I th- I think that her directing kind of salvaged this movie to an extent. So that's my theory anyway. I could be totally wrong. But, or was uh, it pews directing (laughs) that we'll never know but i i mean look florence pew she i think she's a dynamo and so i won't be surprised if she one day becomes one of our great producers director talents you know in addition to her acting so yeah uh, she's proven herself plenty already to to get me on her team team pew all right all right let's play the rotten tomatoes game and then we'll do some spoiler talk on don't worry darling i think i got
1: spoiled on this one what I think you I got might have gotten this.
0: spoiled. Okay, well, let's see. Let's find out. Uh, we have 235 reviews counted. Lots of people were saying, like, well, I'm worried. And so I got to put my... I'm worried that my Rotten Tomatoes review won't count. So they made sure. What do you think the critic score is, Will And for Don't Worry Darling, as we record this.
1: Uh, So I had heard that the score was a 33%. But that's not my guess. Okay. I think the film is going to slightly benefit from people hearing all this bad publicity, watching the film, and being like, Yeah, you know, that wasn't that bad. You know, like it it looked nice. You know, it, it's a film. It's not like a movie. It's a film. Uh even though I think it was shot on digital. Uh but, you know, I think people are gonna be a little bit more receptive with time, but not to the point where it'll be reevaluated and reclaimed. So I'm gonna say forty two percent.
0: You know, you were on the right track. You know, and I I just kept (laughs) going off. Your thought process was sound. You were right to perk that score up a bit, but I think Will, you got a little bit. You got your head a little bit in the clouds. You know, your metaphor was the eggshell. I think my metaphor for this movie was the plane crash. Um, For the two of us, it's somewhere in between, and so that's why the Broad Tomato score is about thirty-eight percent. So you know, hey, splitting the difference, like kind of right in the center there. So very good effort on your part, especially since you had the score spoiled for you at one point but you have another chance to redeem yourself Lashin, because we have the audience score you have 500 plus verified ratings time to come time to compile uh you know everything you've learned from all of our years and decades of doing the rotten tomatoes game mm, what do you think
1: decades um <laughs> i i feel like the style fans are coming in the movie's mouth defense but not to the point where they push the score into the fresh category but higher than the critical analysis so i'll say 57 percent
0: again your thought process it started strong you know you were you were clearly on the right track but then you were just like you were a little bit too cautious on this one a little bit too you know i don't know a little bit too measured uh 79 yeah i know the styles fans showed up and they were like this is it this is the movie to watch i'm very
1: curious to hear if the style fans like the film
0: I mean, I've seen them kind of just be like, "Now this is like a good movie." You know, I've seen people just kind of go to bat. Uh, do you know if any? Uh, oh yeah, we got to do Cinema Score. But I mean, do you know of any like friends of the show who have really liked it? I know one, a former co-host.
1: Uh, oh,
0: Abby Old Yeah, I was gonna yeah, say she I mean, gave it a she gave it a fresh review.
1: How how fresh? That's right. No, no, I mean um, how fresh. Yeah,
0: <laughs> oh uh she didn't have like a score attached to it i didn't see but oh, okay. um, also a friend of the show ma'am dalbaki gave it a passing grade but she she was a little it wasn't you know like an a um cory woodruff i i think you've heard of him uh he uh he also gave it a passing grade i think he i was liked gonna say it, he liked
1: know? it yeah i was gonna say i know he said he was in the minority in liking the film so uh,
0: i think it's a more a slighter minority than some people sure. are kind of and then also emma sasek um she liked it as well she uh <laughs> she's like a reporter in the Palm Springs area where they filmed it. So, oh. uh, you know, there you go. that's like a nice little advertisement. If you're ever like, you know what Palm Springs, like the movie with Andy Samberg and Kristen Milioti. Well, now you can say, <laughs> don't worry, darling as well. Hmm.
1: Anyway, uh, let's cinema see. Cinema score. Meta- yeah. Cinema score. Uh, I almost call it the Metacritic score, uh, cinema score. I'm going to say C plus.
0: You're only one off. Only one off. So is it a C or a B minus? Hmm.
1: My gut says C, but I feel like it's been proven wrong the past two times. So I'm going to say B minus.
0: For once, you you went with your gut and you stuck to it. And there you go, Ashton. B minus. Well done. Okay. And then we're on letterboxed, And Will, I don't know how to tell you this. Okay. Because, you know, we we've been doing this a lot. You know, that where we look at the letterboxd and, you know, most, most of the movies where were just like, okay, well, how many logs on letterboxd, right? Yeah, usually, like, even some of the biggest movies will, you know, it gets as high as, like, maybe, like, 50,000 for some of the bigger ones, maybe higher. Uh, most movies we're talking about, it's going to be, like, 10,000, you know, 20,000. Woman King, I think, was around 20,000. Don't worry, darling, is at 87,000 watches. Not a Marvel movie. It's not Jurassic Universe. It's, it's none of that. It's not a big franchise thing. It is a September drama, <laughs> like Venice International Film Festival. I think, it's film.
1: A, I think it's technically a thriller.
0: Thriller, sure. A but, psychological, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, that was actually one of my complaints. That I didn't think it was very thrilling.
0: Nah, yeah, no. there's not a lot of tension in the movie. Well, part of the reason there's not a lot of tension is because it's like the same scenes over and over again in terms of how they're constructed. Well,
1: OK, the joke I was going to make is all the tension was happening behind the scenes that there was no room for tension in front of the camera.
0: There you go. Well, to me, it was more of like it's like if you took a Black Mirror episode and you were like, you know, what's great about this Black Mirror episodes is that they're usually like 20, 30 minutes. But you do it for yeah. two hours and you wait and wait and wait to get to the good part. Anyway, sure. Um. OK letterboxed what do you think the average rating is from zero to five Might be i'm a
1: gonna
0: 2.4 no whoa whoa whoa! <laughs> way off way off mm. it's 3.2 oh okay yeah i mean well i get it this is a chaotic movie i wasn't expecting you to like call i would have been i would have actually been a little suspicious if you if you had nailed any of these so um uh, that said don't worry darling. is it's in theaters now you have a chance to watch it. I'm looking at the letterbox scores right now. And I mean, they're, yeah, they're all over the place. I'm seeing some people give it two stars. I'm seeing friends of the show, like a man of the Jedi, give it three other friends of the show, Allison Johnson, give it two stars. I mean, I don't know what to do. Everybody has a different opinion. Um, Isaac Feldberg. He's like, you know what? Two stars. That's probably more than it deserves. Who knows? So that's don't worry, darling. Um, still want to talk spoilers? Well, Ashton, oh, you, you bet. I do. Yeah. Them? I mean,
1: yeah, I was going to say, though, I mean, I don't know, your uh, timeline seems to be a lot kinder to film. I've I've seen like one three star or like four star review and one three and a half star. Everything else is like three or two or two and a half.
0: Yeah, I'm lower. mostly seeing scores between one to two and a half with the occasional three. One person gave it five stars. Um, I don't know. I don't think you know this hmm. person. Um, okay.
1: OK. Anyway, spoilers don't worry darling
0: don't worry darling um okay i just wanted to bring this up all right okay i I think it kind of works to the movie's favor at least theoretically that it's harry styles because the whole thing where he's just like such a loser and it's there's actually something kind of subversive about it it's like if you try to do the same thing with shia labeouf it feels a little bit too like the whole scene where he's like at the computer being like all whiny and lame and you know Florence Pugh's character is just kind of like i worked this long shift and you know i think the way that styles is able to balance the two personas and this wish fulfillment and this artifice of like who he is as like a rock star versus maybe maybe a version of like you know this kind of stereotypical like incel kind of dude that like i think he's reaching for something that's kind of interesting there And I just I don't I I can't imagine it working with Shia LaBeouf the same way. I just feel like it it would be a little bit too like what, you know, Mm -hmm. with him because we might have gotten too many echoes of it before. Um, Whereas like when you see him in the first parts of the movie, it's like I feel like I'm seeing like Harry Styles being like his usual, like super charming and boyish. And there's even the whole thing where like. One of the big giveaways that this is set in the modern day is the way that he treats her is very like there is something to that sort of like the submissive, like nice guy kind of persona where there's obviously a monster lurking underneath waiting to be pulled in by whatever, you know, right wing reactionary like Jordan Peterson, Andrew Tate kind of thing that I think this movie is drawing into that I actually think is kind of interesting. I wish that it had been done better and that the message could have been a little bit more crisp, but I don't have a problem with it in theory. So,
1: all right. So, a few things about that, I'll say. Um, I don't know where to start, but uh, you know how there's some, you know, how there are, like some actors where it's like I can't believe them in a period piece because they know what a cell phone is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that that's not the example I'm giving with Harry Styles. I'm the okay. example I was gonna say is going to say it's like with Harry Styles. I feel like he's the type of person where like I don't believe he's ever listened to a podcast. Let alone a podcast by a pseudo Jordan Pearson. Like I just but don't. But he has get the that.
0: glasses on. Well, didn't you see that they put acne, they dirty his, his
1: face? <laughs> yeah, they gave him glasses, and it's just like okay, like you can do that, but it doesn't make me believe it. I mean, like I, I admire him for trying to get into that. I think that's something where if he had maybe more experience and was able to challenge himself more as an actor, uh, he could pull it off. Maybe at a later point. I just think right now mm-hmm. it just feels like cosplay of a nerd that's what i mean it's like
0: i like it in theory in theory it should work but yeah it just doesn't quite land because especially because it comes so late in the film for me but also because it's like yeah it's just it's just it's just he's he just doesn't have it you know
1: i mean and the other analogy there is that uh when they uh when mike nichols made the graduate at one point uh he was talking to robert redford and he was like, I want to play the main character. I want to play Dustin Hoffman's character. And he's like, You can't play that part. And he's like, Well, why not? And he's like, Have you ever scored out with a girl? And he was confused. He didn't get the joke. Like he
0: Yeah, he was like, who, wait, people people score out with a girl.
1: Right. And I feel like <laughs> I can't get the vibe that Harry Styles is an incel because I feel like he's never had to score out with a girl or a guy. Well, I guess whoever. because
0: like we use the we use the term incel a little bit loosely here but i mean they are actually like married right he's not an incel in the most desperate like like,
1: yeah but he's an incel in like the opposite way it's like he can't have enough sex with florence fuse so he turns to jordan peterson because (laughs) harry
0: something to that i think in terms of like the anxiety of men in the modern day and like i think that he he kind of presents as somebody he's not like a black and white monster Of misogyny, he is like I think a more dangerous version of misogyny. One that it's that's why I like off away from the mic. I brought up Black Christmas. There, there was a character in that movie that was kind of similar, where it's like you, you know, (laughs) the guy kind of says the right things. He's you know kind of like that white liberal guy who like presents himself as like an ally, but underneath, like if you really dig down, it it all is kind of a performance or even if they don't know that it's insincere there is this sort of driving away that that they can easily fall victim to the kind of like jordan peterson sure if that makes sense
1: i mean not to say that this movie i'm going to compare it to is better but i think i have more respect for it after a film like uh don't worry darling and that's serenity which is a film where that it was also a movie sort... I was
0: like I wanted to compare it, but I was like if you bring up Serenity, I, I think Matrix to an extent too. I was surprised you brought the, you said that one. It's like I think well, bringing up the that movie, it gives a her. little bit too much away. I that was know. Olivia
1: Wilde. I, that's the only I reason know. I said it, because Olivia Wilde said that to sell the film. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised she said that. And I mean, if I hadn't heard that from her, I, I would maybe be I don't think there's any version of this where I'm taken aback by the sci fi angle, but uh, it would have been a little bit more jarring, I guess. Uh, I am I, because
0: the rules make no sense to me. Like the world makes no sense to me. Like none of this makes sense. We, and, and I get it. Like, right. Not every little thing needs to be explained, but we need something, you know, like I don't want to get all cinema sins with this, but it's just like. It takes me out to like these questions are too obvious of like how could he possibly have her captive like this? Wouldn't anybody be looking for her? What about the other women? Like right. how how is this possible? How are all of these guys leaving at exactly the same time? How is Harry Styles' character making enough money to do this when it was established he lost his job? Where, right. None of this makes sense. Like the rules of this simulation make sense. How does he feed her? Like what mm-hmm. like, you can feel how things long- like
1: yeah.
0: Why does he have, die yeah. and she doesn't? If like ugh.
1: yeah, like how long has she been held captive like this? Is this like is her brain been tricked to think it's her whole life, or has it been like a few days? I don't know. And then yeah, yeah and like, then there's
0: a- why don't they're like you have to take your medication. Why doesn't he just give her medication like on the bed? Right. Like doesn't and then when she wakes up at the end, how does she escape? She's tied up. Did she escape I mean, earlier in the movie? Because she did the uh, same thing earlier in the movie. Right,
1: and then yeah, like with the stuff with the plane and the egg and all that. So like, I get the symbolism of it, but like, is that a glitch in their system or is that? I think the
0: egg makes a little bit more sense because you could be like, oh yeah, it's a glitch, but like the plane doesn't make sense because it's like why the earthquakes what was up with the yeah the earthquakes exactly yeah yeah it reminds me of lost you know like i didn't watch that much of lost but i remember it was like the same kind of thing people were annoyed with it was like well they they kept bringing in all these other things to keep you guessing it's like the mystery box jj abrams thing it's like it's just to sort of get you to ask questions without the intent to ever answer the questions in a satisfying way
1: well that's what i mean by it's like i feel it's all aesthetics as opposed to story because i think there's an attempt here, and this I I, I feel uh, annoying by giving this comparison, but I, I say it because I think Olivia Wilde's trying to do a Blue Velvet thing. So I think there are attempts to do a sort of Lynchian thing where like it's not supposed to really like make sense, quote unquote, but you're supposed to kind of like feel enraptured in the dream-like experience of it, which I'd be cool with if it was either less story-focused and more kind of cerebral or if it was tighter story and we could understand the logic of it more it's just like you you have to you can either be david lynch or christopher Nolan. you can't try to do both <laughs> you know what i mean well, yeah you and you
0: also i mean twilight zone has done this for the longest time like twilight i mean not the newer t- twilight zone i haven't seen it but like Those are, that's a really great example of like taking in your commentary, that sort of sci-fi commentary and making it part of the story, right? They connect to each other and they get you asking questions about like, you know, how would this apply in my real life? This movie just does, doesn't have enough of that toward the end to really bring that about. It doesn't challenge or try to bring sort of forward, you know, the philosophy of the Harry Styles character. It all just kind of, it kind of just comes to a head very quickly and sloppily. Mm-hmm. The car chase, her killing him with the whiskey glass. And like, it's just all this stuff just happens without it really clicking into, right. you know, this is how the story needed to go.
1: Yeah, and not to mention the the Gemma Chan thing where she kills Chris Pine for Which reasons I still no don't know. Sense. Well, I, I don't get like was that like her overriding the system? And what does it matter if she kills Chris Pine? It's all simulation. They they're all going to be, you know, zeros and ones. I mean, so like what 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 point is that mini revolution do? Is it just like a mini girl boss moment? Like what what's going on? Like it's, you know, I it, it's just adds like I think there's just a lot of conflicting ideas here. And I think one of the, right. the biggest examples is that, um, you know, like, we have the story here that is about male oppression, is about gaslighting, it's about gatekeeping, in a very sort of literal sense. But there are also several scenes in the movie where Harry Styles goes down on Florence Pete, Which, on its own, is not a bad thing. Like, I think showing female pleasure is a totally valid thing to do. And I think it's something that a lot of filmmakers should strive for, but it would be like having scenes in the handmaid's tale where Elizabeth Mo- or Elizabeth Moss gets like eaten out like here, here and there. And it's just like, man, this is a oppressive mm. society. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I'm all for like, I think showing- that's one of,
0: I see, actually, I disagree with you there. I actually okay. think that that, that stuff makes sense to me in terms of what they're trying to do, because I think the okay. idea is that he feels so guilty. Like he knows this is wrong. Okay. And I think he is that kind of guy, like I was saying before, where he thinks he's an ally and he thinks like, well, I go down on women. That means I'm not a misogynist. I think that's what it's playing at. It's just like, as long as I give her pleasure, I don't have to like give her freedom or treat her like a human being. She is like a possession and he has to do do just like that kind of thing in order to make her happy. And I think that's the kind of stuff where I'm like, okay, that is an interesting way to subvert your message a bit because it's saying like, guys, you can do nice things. You can be a nice guy but like that doesn't mean you're not a monster that doesn't mean that you don't have bad intentions and you put people um not just women but men too into like boxes where they're being oppressed and they're in a terrible situation and you're just satiating them with like superficial stuff i think that there's a core of that in this movie or uh, not a core of a nugget of it but that's where i push back
1: sure and i think that's valid and i would hope that's the intent from Olivia Wilde and uh, the filmmakers here, and I think that would. And I mean, I think that's where we're kind of getting into what you're talking about—the complexity uh, with Harry Styles' character, the intended complexity with his character, where he does seem to genuinely love his wife, and he wants to, you know, make her happy, and he wants to put her in this like what he perceives to be a safe haven for her, but he has her under his control. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I just feel like the film's desire to want to kind of do both at the same time still doesn't really work here because they don't really expound upon the ideas that they're dealing with here. I think that intent would be noble if it could actually make the film a little bit more dense and layered. And I think that would make, that's why I was kind of wondering why they, they reserved like this twist for like the third half when, or the third act uh, when I feel like if it was introduced earlier, like it is in like Serenity, that would have made the film a lot more interesting and it could have dived into stuff a little bit more as opposed to making it like a twist, like making that kind of core to the story would kind of make it a more, uh, ex- you know, a little bit more dynamic and a little bit more investing film as opposed to just kind of waiting for the inevitable to happen yeah. at the third third
0: act. I, I do have kind of a, you know, off the wall theory about that. and And I base it kind of around the differences between i think the original story the spec script versus uh, silverman's take on it uh, when she did the screenplay and i think i get the sense that the original conceit of the movie was supposed to be tying a little bit more closely to alice in wonderland main character is alice right there's a lot of like the looking glass metaphors her best friend's name is bunny you know there there's a little bit of like the rabbit hole you know sort of thing that kind of ties to the matrix i think that there was more of that going on in the story and I think when my guess is that like when Wild and Silverman got a hold of it, they just kind of went down a few detours or they tried to do different things with it as it kind of came about because you can kind of feel like the Bunny character, for example probably should have been a bigger presence. I mean, she kind of disappears for large portions of the movie there's a whole the implications of her character are inherently fascinating. somebody who knows what's going on but is choosing to like right inflict this harm on people she ostensibly cares about and then you know there's a lot there but of course there's no investigation and so like i think that yeah again it's i i just think it's a a script that kind of got away from them that in in an effort to sort of Mm -hmm. make it work on screen and so maybe it's a lesson learned i guess because that's Mm-hmm. Uh, making movies is uh well i don't know if you know this but making movies ain't easy
1: <laughs> yeah, make movies is hard uh that is true um but yeah i i will say uh yeah i mean i i definitely agree with you as far as the bunny character because i mean not only, i mean i actually thought that uh olivia wilde was like her performance was pretty good in the film uh though i don't believe uh like even if i didn't know about the feud i would probably could tell because <laughs> i never got the sense that these two were friends like even when they're supposed to be joking i'm just like do these these two hate each, yeah. each other.
0: <laughs> i have a similar vibe with like olivia wilde and like uh nick kroll who i'm just kind of like um, are yeah. they really married is he real right does he not right. exist because i was just kind of like i don't know <laughs> yeah
1: cool. I, I i mean i love nick kroll but i thought his performance in this was pretty actively bad likewise uh not that she's bad but i was kind of confused as to why they cast i think her name's katie berlant she's a, a comedian yeah, uh, yeah, she has like a supporting role in this, and she's just like there, pretty much.
0: She's like, the she pregnant is, one.
1: Yeah, she's like not really like funny, and she doesn't really have like a character in it, so she's kind of like she's, she's one of minds. the wives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you well, know, why she, cast her? <laughs> like, she's like so good in like like her segment on um, I think you should leave, which you know. I, I think is uh, you know, such a, a, a great thing. And um, I, I also heard that her uh, recent Hulu special that I believe Bo Burnham directed is quite good.
0: And um, isn't, isn't she like supposed to be known for being kind of an absurdist, you know, right. improv improvisational actor. So it's like a uh, comedian, I should say. So like, yeah, it's a, kind of weird in a movie like this <laughs> that they didn't really do much well, with that. Yeah, because I was just
1: kind of wondering, like, is there going to be something more to your character? Because you hire, you know, mm-hmm. such a dynamic sort of comedian like this. Like, is there going to be something in the third act or something where you know expanded? Likewise with uh, Nick Kroll. and it's just like, no, they're just kind of kind of there. Uh, we, you know, Cakey Lanes not, here.
0: I kind of have that same feeling though with like Chris Pine, who I think is. I I think should be more in the movie. I guess I, I, I there's so much, so many open questions I had about him. It's like I just wish, like this movie could have shown us more. It could have shown us a little bit more of like what's going on in the real world with this guy. You know, like give us a hint. You know, maybe that ties into the Gemma Chan thing. And I think this movie should have been the cat and mouse game between him and Pew. Because whenever it was, I was interested. I was just like, oh, thank goodness, like we're we're actually watching these two characters have it out. And it's interesting and it's there's energy. There's actually like a spark, you know, that I think like Pew and Styles, their thing is just so one-dimensional. It's just sort of, you know, once we get to the gaslighting stuff, and and I'm sorry, ha- has a movie trope been so quickly like overplayed as gaslighting? Like it's been done so many times now. I mean, so quickly, it's already been lampooned by bodies, bodies, bodies. Sure. I don't know. There's something to it where I'm just like, I get it like I get the drama of it but considering that
1: the term was already coined by a film called gaslighting about gaslighting uh you know (laughs) you you just kind of think like why don't they just do like an outright remake of that they're just gonna keep doing that story over and over again
0: it's like every screenwriter in Hollywood at the same time like read about gaslighting on a Twitter thread and then all put it in their screenplays at the same time and it's just like like a constant influx now we're getting stuff Mm -hmm. like this and false positive it's just like okay okay.
1: i i think i preferred false positive to that this film but uh you know a film that also has some some Eh. problems so see uh but yeah i don't know i mean when a movie like this disappoints i just feel like it's it's just more underwhelming than anything like I, i don't really like take joy in like to putting this film down. Like, I mean like the behind the scenes stuff is fun to talk about in a gossipy sort of way, but yeah, I just, I feel like this was such a kind of neat premise. Like a, a kind of dumb one, but at least one that like could have been expounded upon in a subversive and interesting way. And it just feels like they, they came up with the concept and they were just like, Oh man, that's like too good to fail. And you know, they hired all these stars, they hired all these talented uh, production people And just, you know, the concept never really fleshed out to anything super dynamic or interesting. Or they had too many ideas you're alluding to along the way. And it just kind of got muddled and sort of thematically confusing along the way.
0: Right. Um, I think I think it's one of those things when you're really close to a story and you know how it's going to turn out and you forget about how the audience is going to experience it. I think that's probably what happened here. Um, So, yeah, that's don't worry, darling. That's all I really wanted. To get into Um, and it's funny too because I forgot to mention this before but I did see some people kind of being really confused about what kind of movie this was like I saw one person um, just being like this is a terrible horror movie Olivia Wilde can't direct horror there's hardly any scares in this (laughs) and I was just like oh honey (laughs) you're not watching a horror movie (laughs) like that's that's not what this is
1: well I mean that just kind of comes down to a general confusion about thrillers versus horror but Again, I mean, I mean, you know,
0: Gen Z I can still kind him. of figuring yeah. stuff out. That's all I'll say.
1: Uh, I mean, I'm not going to uh, blame uh, a whole generation for this. I mean, I feel like that's a confusion that comes from multiple generations. But uh, I mean, I will say, I mean, like I said before, I think just the marketing of the movie and the conversation around the film just, you know, similar to the film itself ultimately got a little confusing as far as like, well, what type of film are they trying to make here? Like, what fo- type of film did they make? and you know i i feel like there's no straight answer so therefore the movie itself kind of got kind of confusing at some point or another so i can i think it's understandable why some people thought this is a horror movie some people thought this was
0: a period well, going drama. in but like while watching it uh I, yeah i don't know can't can't know. quite can't quite follow that logic but um
1: that's just me. one thing uh one complaint i did see and i know we're wrapping up so i'll make this quick uh that i actually thought was kind of interesting uh about the film was that some people were complaining like oh it's like uh there are sort of inaccuracies with the time period like things like are more from the 30s and then or some things are like from the 70s when it's supposed to be ostensibly (laughs) like the 50s but i thought that was an interesting touch is that like the the characters in the film would be young men who only really heard about this or like they watch mad men or whatever exactly yeah. And it's like they wouldn't have that familiarity with the time because they really didn't live in it. They just kind of heard about it from these like MAGA community I think it's all, or whatever.
0: Yeah, I think it's all intentional. I think it's supposed to be a clue, you know, for right. the people who are a little bit more aware of the time periods and being like, oh, okay, so like this is clearly not a real place. <laughs> like, right. You know, whether or not you figure out it's a simulation, which I think a <laughs> lot of people will. I think a lot of people will go that route because they played games like Fallout yeah. and this is borrowing so much from so many things. I,
1: I just wanted to bring that up because I've, I've seen yeah. some people complain about that and, and say that as a criticism but whether intentional or not I think that actually makes it more silly. interesting Yeah, I don't know I just like I think it's something that I actually love the film for I, I commend it because I think that makes it a little bit more dynamic and I think it adds to the themes I just yeah. wish the themes themselves were more coherent
0: <laughs> <laughs> alright well next week we have a lot of options for movies I really want I want us to do bros uh, I think bros, I think looks like the most fun. Yeah. I mean, i um, Stoller, Billy Eichner. Yeah. Let's go. Nicholas
1: Stoller making a romantic comedy again after forgetting Sarah Marshall. One of my that's favorite right. romantic comedies of the two thousands.
0: That's right. That's right. You know, he did, he did the five year engagement, right? But that's, I guess that's not really like a,
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. That was all right. Yeah.
0: You know, um, I'm a fan of the first neighbors and yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm happy to see him back and bros looks like fun. Um, Not planning on watching Hocus Pocus 2. Got a screener, but I'd have to rewatch the first one. And I was never the biggest fan of Hocus Pocus. You know, I I know people love it, but it's just not my mm. thing. Not my bag. Gotta Um, be honest.
1: I don't know if I've ever seen Hocus Pocus all the way through. I've seen scenes.
0: Yeah, I remember I would probably same here, actually, because I remember seeing it because it would always come up in like the Disney Channel. I know you didn't have cable, but like, you know, it would always pop up and I'd watch a little bit of it, you know fun stuff i guess but sure uh, there's also uh paramount has a film kind out called smile which looks just kind of like a cookie cutter you know horror movie where like people smile and die and stuff i i don't know it doesn't look that interesting to me but rob morgan is in and jesse t usher is in it and okay and then um and also sozy bacon sorry uh, i do like sozy bacon well uh, you can't I see was- Will Ashton is smiling for the camera <laughs>
1: thank <laughs> yes. you Will. um i have a screening for this on wednesday so i was planning to check okay. it out um, i, I do too
0: but i just i don't know if i'm gonna make it um i don't know if i care enough oh well la-di-da peter Farrelly has another to... movie <laughs> peter Farrelly has his uh follow-up to green book coming out the greatest beer run ever so that's gonna be on apple tv plus um, you remember when that uh, was uh, uh, on russell crowe
1: you remember when that was a front runner for best picture <sighs> <sighs> or like an attempted front runner
0: yeah also bill murray is in it got to mention that sure
1: too. oh boy um,
0: i don't really know anything about it but you know it's, I sure. mean,
1: what more do you need to know? It's the greatest beer run ever. <laughs>
0: uh, there's something cl- hit in Netflix called Luckiest Girl Alive. Um, and it has, oh, that's uh, I coming don't know out? anything about it, but yeah, yeah. Bill Kunis uh, and Finn Whitrock. Yeah. Scooter Scoot McNary, I know you're a fan.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I like Scoot McNary. Uh, yeah. I didn't realize that was coming out so soon.
0: And I know your favorite Your favorite studio of 2022, A24, um, has a new f- film, hit in limited release, God's Creatures. The yeah, you know, Emily Watson, uh, Paul Mescal.
1: Okay. Oh, I, I was confusing you know, this was uh, God's Country. Isn't that the one with No No No? Twandy that Newton? came and went. Yeah
0: Yeah Yeah. That That hit I think in August. But yeah. uh, no, God's Creatures, which uh, you know got a little bit of buzz. You know. Sure. And I'm uh, I'm I'm always a fan of uh, Irish films. So let's go. There's a bunch of other stuff, but those are the, those are the main things. Uh I I know my best friend's exorcism. I I assume what? that's our number that's our next in line. Um what is Yeah, that, that has Elsie Fisher in it. You hear about that one? I, no. My best friend's exorcism. Let's do it. I it's never, about time.
1: I have never heard of that one. Um yeah, I mean as we mentioned before there's also Blonde hitting uh Netflix which will probably spark a yeah. spicy conversation with you or whomever
0: Uh-huh. I just don't know how are we going to cover all these movies? There's also The Good House. Kevin Klein is back. Kevin Klein in a movie with Sigourney sure. Weaver and Marina Pacari and Rob Delaney. We're being spoiled over here. But Oh boy.
1: I mean, it's been so long since I've seen uh Kevin Klein in a film. I feel like I just saw his son obviously make a film
0: but yeah, not, yeah, not him. Coming on up doing his thing. So anyway, that's a lot of movies. I don't know I don't know for sure. I I I want to cover bros but uh I think that's we'll, the
1: the safe bet is bros. Yeah. But you, if you are
0: a listener and you're kind of like, well, yeah, I want to hear about this. Like tell us. I mean, just, you know, let us know what what's uh what are your requests because we we don't know anything. So, uh, we'll do our best to cover what we can cover, but mm-hmm. that's it for us this week though. You got anything else we lash in before we say goodbye to the fans? Uh e- no. Perfect. All right. Well, <laughs> from the Internet, California, I'm John Negroni.
1: And from Pennsylvania, I'm Washington.
0: See you next time.